Today, I want to share with you 10 ways for you to determine if you are really pursuing the best idea to bring to market. Welcome to the Predictable Designs Podcast, where it's all about creating and selling successful new electronic hardware products. Here's your host, engineer and entrepreneur, John Till. Welcome to the Predictable Designs Podcast, where we discuss all things related to developing, manufacturing, marketing, and selling successful new electronic hardware products. I'm your host, John Teal. I always say that the execution is where the true value lies, and I deal with so many entrepreneurs who get over-focused on the idea. However, every startup still has to start with the with the product idea, and it's really critical that you select the best idea to bring to market. There are just so many steps required to bring a product to market, but ultimately it all still starts with the idea itself. If you have the wrong product idea, then all the other steps, no matter how well you perform them, don't really matter. So today I'm going to share with you the 10 best ways for you to determine if you are focusing on bringing the best idea to market. Number 10, it is an easy to reach market that you already know. You really want to choose a product that has an easily reachable market. Perhaps you're probably thinking, like a lot of entrepreneurs, that everyone in the world wants your product. It doesn't matter their age, location, gender, occupation, income, everyone's going to want it. I know that sounds so great and exciting, and a lot of you are likely seeing dollar signs in the billions. But the truth is, a market that includes everyone will be really, really difficult to reach. And by difficult, in most cases, I mean expensive. So it's outside the reach of most uh, small startups. You are much better off focusing on a niche product or niche, ever how you want to say it, or at least somewhat of a niche product that has a market that you can reach. This is the reason for the expression, the riches are in the niches. So ideally, focus on a product for a market that you already know. This can be from prior experience selling to this market, or maybe you yourself are part of this market. You don't always have to limit yourself to your prior experience, but the markets that you have worked in, ideally over many years, are going to be the ones that you know the best. So I recommend focus on the markets that you can reach and the ones that you know best. Number nine, there is already some existing competition. You really want to choose a product idea that actually has some competition. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't competition a bad thing, you're asking? Shouldn't you focus on developing a product that is completely unlike anything else on the market, a truly revolutionary product? The answer to both of those questions is no. Bringing a product that is completely unique to the market can be is extremely challenging. With entirely new products, you do not even know for sure that there is a market for the product. However, having a competing product that already sells at least somewhat well provides proof that there is really a market for your product. You can consider a competing product as kind of upfront market validation that the market already exists. That being said, you do not want too much competition, which is what I will discuss next. Number eight, there are no dominating competitors, and the key is dominating. Although some competition is definitely a good thing, too much is definitely a bad thing, kind of like most things in life, right? If you think you're going to compete with the likes of Amazon or Apple, you are just going to get eaten for breakfast. That is not something you ever want to try to pursue. 
First of all, you will never be able to compete on price with them because they have massive economies of scale. Secondly, you can never compete with them from a branding or marketing standpoint. Dominant companies like Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, they have reputations for literally destroying their competition, especially startups. So do not compete in a market that already has a dominant player like Apple or Amazon. Number seven, your product solves a known problem, a known problem. Your product needs to solve a problem that people already know they have. It's challenging enough to educate people on why they need to purchase your solution to a problem to a problem they know they have, but it's so much harder to educate them about a problem that they don't even know they already have, and it will make them exponentially it make it more exponentially more difficult to sell your product if you have to do both. Having to make the customer aware that a problem even exists means that it is something they've never thought of, so it's not going to be a priority for them. That is a really difficult sell. Number six, your product must be differentiated, but not on price. So your product needs to be significantly different from anything else on the market, um, but you don't ever want to be in a situation where you have to compete on price. Competing on price equates to low profit margins, which is never a good thing, especially for a startup. Instead, you need to compete on the product itself and the value that it adds and not on the price. Doing so will give you a much higher profit margin and allow your company to grow much faster. In order to do this, your product needs to be differentiated in some way from any other solutions on the market. But this can't be just a small incremental improvement. You really need to ask yourself, what makes your product better than any solution currently on the market? Number five, the price is right. Be sure to pick a product that is in a good price range. First of all, you do not want a product that has too low of a price. That is because it will require a lot of volume to make any significant revenue. Honestly, this was one of my biggest mistakes with my own product that I brought to market quite a few years ago. It was a really low cost product that only sold between, you know, typically $5. I sold uh, multi-packs up to $10, but Overall, it was a product that ranged at a retail price of 5 to $10. And that meant I had to sell a huge number of these devices to make a significant amount of revenue and profit. On the other extreme, if your product is too expensive, let's say $1,000 plus, then that can present a, another significant barrier because people purchasing it don't really know you well enough and that can be a, a big barrier to them to spend $1,000 uh, with a company that they don't really have much rep, of a reputation with. So focus on products that are not too low in price, but also not too high. You know, it's, there's always that sweet spot in the middle. I would say maybe between $20 at the low end and a few hundred dollars on the high end would be the best overall price range. And I'm not saying if your product is less than $20 that it can't be a success. It, it definitely can. It just You just need to be aware that you're going to have to sell a lot of volume. And if your product is really expensive, you're not going to have to sell nearly as much volume, but you're going to have a, a harder time convincing people to buy it because it's just a bigger financial obstacle and a bigger financial risk for them, especially with the new company. Number four, there is a potential for recurring revenue. This is one of my favorite topics. 
Many may say that the holy grail of business, in fact, is to create recurring revenue stream. Recurring revenue simply means that your customers pay you a fee automatically every month. And I think most of us by now are used to paying monthly subscriptions, whether that's for online or uh, software online or Netflix subscription or whatever. If someone buys your hardware product, is it is there any way for you to add a monthly fee to use a web service or an app that relates to your product? Finding a way for your business product, your business or your product to have recurring revenue will be a huge boost for your company, especially if you ever want to seek outside professional investors who love recurring revenue. In fact, a lot of investment companies really, really like or even require recurring revenue for any companies they invest in because it just makes everything so much more predictable and allows a company to grow much faster, which is obviously what any investor is interested in. Recurring revenue is such a coveted way of making money because it is predictable. Obviously, people can cancel their subscription anytime, but in general, you will always have a group of customers each month that are paying you, and you will know in advance how much that's going to be approximately. So it just gives you the flexibility to plan in advance. Number three, there is a potential for a high profit margin. I know developing and marketing a new product can be extremely exciting and fun. No doubt about it. It's fun. I love it. But ultimately, the goal is for most of us is to make money, right? Unless you're just doing this for fun, which is great. But if you're doing this as a business, then you need to make money. So this means that you need to focus on a product with a high profit margin. You ideally want the suggested retail price for your product to be about four times of what it costs to manufacture and have it shipped to your warehouse. You can maybe push that down to three times the manufacturing cost, especially if you're selling direct to consumers, like through your website, for instance, and you're not going through distributors or retail chains who take a significant cut. So you can go... Uh, a lower, uh, you know, go down to three times the manufacturing cost, but you could do that in retail, but that's going to really cut into your margins. I would focus more on a four times uh, markup over manufacturing cost if you're going to sell on retail and retail. And if you're doing online, then three is sufficient, but I would not go any lower than three times your manufacturing cost. For one thing, it becomes exceptionally difficult to grow a business with low profit margins. This is because every order that you produce and sell, you're making such a a small amount of profit that you don't really have profit to reinvest in the next order. So it just makes it really difficult to scale any company that doesn't have a good profit margin. That being said, you cannot expect to make a high profit margin when you are first starting with a hardware product. You will be lucky if you can break even on your first small production runs of, let's say, hundreds of units, many times you will need to even sell the first few hundreds at a loss. And, and that's okay because you're not, the goal isn't to profit on the first units. The, the goal with the first units is to get data, market data and feedback from customers. And if that costs you a little bit per unit, uh, that that's fine. It's valuable data and it's okay. But eventually you, you have to get to a point where the product obviously can be sold at a profit. So as your production volumes increase, so will your profit margin generally because your manufacturing cost is going to go down. Once you reach volumes of 10,000 to 100,000 units, uh, 
lower if you have a really high end expensive product. But for most products, maybe 10 to 100,000 pieces for most consumer products, that is when you should expect to begin making a significant profit. The, anything less than 10,000 units for most products, you're, you're going to probably make some a small amount of profit, but just don't base your entire business model on the profit that you make on the, the first few production runs. In the early stages, focus your efforts on minimizing your development cost, not on maximizing your profit. However, you do need to have accurate estimates on what your manufacturing cost and profit margins will be once you reach those higher volumes. You just need to know up front that once you reach high enough production levels, that a significant profit is possible. If you determine in your analysis that 25% profit margin is all that can be made, even at high production volumes, then that's a point where you likely probably want to consider a, a different product or perhaps you can increase your sales price or you could uh, add a recurring uh, a recurring revenue element to the back end. So if your product has a recurring subscription with it, then it's pretty common that they'll uh, sometimes even sell the product break even or at a loss knowing that they make their profit on the back end subscription. Number two, the product is reasonably affordable to scale to mass manufacturing. You want a product that is affordable for you to scale from the prototype stage to mass manufacturing. And one of the major challenges of scaling a product to mass manufacturing is the cost of the injection molds required for any custom plastic parts. And for a lot of most of the products I deal with, that means the, the enclosure that holds the electronics. But in general, it, it doesn't matter. Any custom plastic part is going to require an injection mold once you reach high volume production. Each custom piece of plastic will require its own injection mold. And for really high volume production, these molds are extremely expensive. They can be tens of thousands of dollars a, at a minimum cost for a mold will be around $1,500. And that's for a simple, low volume mold uh, by low volume, typically that means it just has a single cavity. It can produce one part at a time, and it's made out of a softer metal, so it's, it makes it, uh, it, it's not as durable. It doesn't last as long. More complex molds that are designed for high volume production that have lots of cavities and use really hard steel can cost tens of thousands of dollars each. Yes, that's each for every every mold, which each part, each custom part in your product requires a separate mold. So the, the cost of these molds can really get expensive. Although developing a product that requires a bunch of custom shaped plastic pieces may be affordable when you're using 3D printing for prototyping, it will become significantly more expensive to scale when injection molding becomes required for high volume production. For example, if your product requires 10 custom plastic parts, then you will need 10 separate molds with each mold costing a minimum of $1,500 up to 50K each, depending on the production volume and the part complexity, those costs add up significantly. So I highly encourage you to focus on finding a way to reduce the number of custom plastic parts required for your product. The number one best way for you to know that your product idea is a good idea to bring to market is the product is relatively simple and affordable for you to develop. The number one most important attribute of a winning product for a startup 
is it needs to be realistically affordable to develop and prototype. Otherwise, you're, you're, if you can't afford to get past the development and prototype stage, then you're not going to be able to make it very far in this full cycle. Product development is much more complicated than most lay people can imagine. So you must embrace product simplicity in order to have a real shot at success bringing a product to market. It is really critical that you, especially for your first product, try to make the product as simple as possible. That way, your development cost and your time to market will both be minimized. It is important that you get your product to market as fast as possible and as cheap as possible so that you can begin gathering market feedback. Then you can use that market feedback to potentially modify your product to meet what the real market demand is. Remember, the real value may be in the execution, but it all starts with the idea. You need to make sure you're putting your time, money, and effort into a product that has the best chance of success. If your product idea is not the best idea to pursue, would you not rather know it now instead of later after you've spent thousands of dollars and potentially years of your life? You need to always be able to pivot as fast as possible. And the more you know, and the earlier you know it, always the better. Okay, I'm John Teal with Predictable Designs, and I hope you found this helpful. Thanks so much, and have a great day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then definitely check out the hardwareacademy.com, where you can get support from myself and other experts to help you successfully get your product developed and on the market. We have experts in electronics design, enclosure design, prototyping, certifications, manufacturing, marketing, startups, and sales. You even get private one-on-one consulting directly with me. The Hardware Academy also includes a highly active and incredibly helpful community of other hardware entrepreneurs with a wide range of experience and skills. No longer do you have to go at it all alone. Now, you have a community of experts on your team. You'll also get regular in-depth training courses, workshops, product teardowns, and resources to help you succeed with your product. Check out the Hardware Academy today at thehardwareacademy.com.